Welcome to another episode of Residentially Speaking, a podcast dedicated to bringing you interesting and informative content from key builders, dealers, thought leaders, and influencers across the residential construction industry. I'm your host, Alan Hubble. There is a way to comply and not have to really change for a builder to not really have to change what they're doing at all. And that is just use a type two weather resistant barrier that has a 90% um, or greater efficiency for drainage, flash to it, and then uh, follow manufacturer's installation instructions, which is install a layer of grade D 10 minute paper as a intervening, substantially non-water absorbing uh, uh, sacrificial layer and you're done. On today's podcast, I talk with Rondalyn Riley, a water intrusion consultant and owner of Exterior Inspections Incorporated out of Texas. Rhonda Lynn is well known throughout Texas for her work over the last 30 years of both residential and commercial construction. The podcast is going to explore the new requirements in the 2021 International Residential Code, IRC, about how water-resistive barriers shall be installed behind stucco when applied over wood-based sheathings. So some really important concepts. We're going to talk stucco, wood-based sheathings, and what do you do with your WRBs and what are those new requirements? We'll break down these requirements and explain how they vary based on whether the assembly is in a dry or a moist marine climate, as well as the type of WRB being used, all critical and key elements to consider for your assembly and this code. So if your state or jurisdiction is currently on the 2021 IRC or is in the process of adopting or considering the 2021 IRC, you'll want to listen in to be as well informed as possible for this change. Residentially speaking, that's coming up. So Rhonda Lynn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate um, you inviting me to be here today. You bet. It's great to um, to have you on. We heard so many good things. I know that you presented to the Dallas uh, HBA Home Builders Association. It was a smash hit, big success. I uh, heard all good things about it. So I think we're going to touch on a little bit of what you said there. That was quite a long course, right, that you gave there? I, I believe it was a four hour uh, course. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so we're going to, obviously we can't cover four hours in the time we have, but um, I, I do want to talk to you and we'll get to it in a minute around the, um, the 2021 code IRC residential code and the um, changes coming with respect to stucco and weather barriers and so forth. But I'll tell you what, before we do that, I introduced you a little bit in the introduction to the podcast, but you don't mind could you give us a little bit of background and experience for yourself and how you got into the business and kind of what your business is all about well so like my company name says exterior inspections is our name and i've been doing this at this since 1997. um you know i i started out in the plastering industry and and decided that i wanted to consult and help those um those contractors in that industry, because at the time, um, EIFS or exterior insulation finish systems was having a really hard time in the U.S. with water intrusion and and all kinds of damage and destruction behind that cladding. Um, so I started exterior inspections and became a leak investigation water intrusion specialist. And so well, in the last 25 years, I've become a uh, professional inspector in the state of Texas. 
I also sit on the ASTM committee that writes the standards for stucco that are adopted by the International Building Codes, Residential Code and Building Code. Um, I sit on the Technical Advisory Committee of the Texas Lighting and Plastering Contractors Association. And then, of course, um, as you mentioned, I'm involved with a number of the, the builders associations around Texas. Yeah, great. And you're based out of where exactly? We're based in Houston, but we um, we work in Houston, Austin, San Antonio, and Dallas markets. So we're in all of the major markets of Texas. Gotcha. Okay, great. And is your company focused only on water, or do you have other parts of the exterior that you focus on as well? Uh, you know, other other functionalities or, or elements of the exterior that you focus on. Well, at the I think at the the most basic core of the business is is water intrusion. Um, However, right, it's envelope, if you look at it with the broad stroke, um, how does the roof tie into the walls, how the walls tie into the foundation, how all the holes in those walls or roofs um, need to be flashed to prevent not only water intrusion, but air infiltration that also will cause, and it, particularly my climate, um, moisture damage as a result of air infiltration. Right. Yeah, I mean, you guys know a little bit about moisture down there in Houston, right? It's not <laughs> crazy, crazy humidity. Texas Gulf Coast, yes. Yeah. And do you, um, so your customers will come to you certainly after an acute problem, right? They're having a problem. They need some forensics and or solutions. Do they also come to you on the front end for design help or cons consulting on, on the front end? You know, thank you for asking that question. Most of our customers do come to us um, initially on the back end, right? For an acute problem, for to do an investigation. Um, and and I just simply tell them I would prefer to be on the front end. It's a lot easier to troubleshoot problems and to anticipate things and get it right on the front end so that I don't have to see them on the back end because the back end's not fun. The front end, if we can get it up and get it up correctly so that it will perform for the long term, that's my goal. Yeah, that makes a lot makes a lot of sense. And those customers, so those are builders, uh, custom home builders, production builders. What's your what's kind of your mix of your customer base? So um, we have quite a few volume home builders. We work with custom home builders. That's kind of where we started. We do like commercial work. We've done work for insurance companies. Um, and then plastering contractors, you know, the contractors come to us because what they find is, is that in the long run, while we may, the oversight of their work, it may cause them a little bit of heartache in the beginning. Again, at the end of the day, our goal is that everybody walks away with a project that's well-functioning and nobody gets a call back. Uh, you know, we even do work for home owners and building owners as well. Oh, really? Would those be like leading into potential litigation or no, sometimes. or the homeowner. Yeah. Or the homeowner just wants the problem kind of resolved. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes we, we've even worked at, a lot of my work started out early on as um, doing inspections for, for potential buyers and real estate transactions. And <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of, again, we, we started for potential buyers, which is the back end of the project and the builders decided that they would prefer us to be on the front end. Yeah, makes sense. It's a lot easier to solve it on the front end for sure. 
or or prevent, I should say, much less solve. Do um and so like what's a typical kind of are they like challenging details that folks come to you with unusual, I don't know, <laughs> roof lines or claddings or like what's a what's kind of a typical problem say on the front end that some they just may want you to look at some drawings and specifications and advise on material selection or what what does that job look like? Um, we certainly with the with the high end custom in the in the commercial light commercial projects. Um, we'll be involved in the very early phases of design and, and pre-construction meetings to make sure everybody is on the same page going into the project and try to work out some, you know, interesting interfaces between, say, roofs and windows and doors and um, et cetera. You know, I think the, the most common place that we are involved is just basically we, we have an inspection at the very beginning of the project, we call it our substrate inspection. And it's really, is the substrate appropriate for cover of whatever your exterior cladding is? So we're not talking about sheathing, but the substrate itself. So does the flashing tie into the weather barrier appropriate? You know, again, roof flashing, window flashing, door flashing, balcony flashing. Is it, is it dried in at the dry in phase? Because if it's not dried in at the dry-in phase, it doesn't matter what the cladding is on the exterior. Um, if it leaks at dry-in, it's going to leak after it's covered. Yeah. So obviously a lot of experience. You've seen, I'm sure, a lot of situations um, where, have you ever been able to not resolve a problem? Like, are there just somewhere just like, man, you're, it's your history. Like, you may just want to start all over. Is it? Is there always a solution, I guess, is my question. Well, there always is a solution and solution is is completely uh, dependent on time and money, right? Yeah. Um, the, sometimes the solution is take it back down to, to bare bones and start over again. I would say though, that that's more rare the case that just rip it all down and start over again. Um, most of the time we can, we can figure out how to make things work together. Obviously existing construction, trying to find in the problem and trying to tie back into the old always proves to be challenging. And then there are those cases where, you know, I just wish that I had an easy button. Um, and sometimes we don't necessarily pinpoint what the smoking gun or smoking guns are. I kind of say that water intrusion and moisture damage is, um, somewhat like a divorce. I haven't been divorced, but of those people that I know that have been, it's never just a single thing that leads hmm. to the yeah, <laughs> the end, right. right? Accumulation, right? Yeah, it's good always analogy. accumulation <laughs> of things. Yes. Is um, I mean, I'll ask this question delicately. I guess, do you see are are the issues caused by? Well, I'll just say, are they caused by poor installation? Like, do you have a view of what's the what's the if you could wave a magic wand, what's the biggest issue in, in terms of water intrusion? Like, is it just, you know, we have, we have a chart that talks about material selection, application, and details. And all three of those have to be right. You know, good materials have to be applied properly with, you know, per good details. Um, if any of those go wrong, you, you know, you open yourself up to problems. Do you have a sense of what's most important in that? If, or maybe some other element uh, in terms of keeping water out of a building? Well, I would say first and foremost, 
installation issues are the single largest cause of water intrusion, right? The weather barrier and the flashing systems are the thing, are our primary defense against water on the structure. And when it is poorly installed, then that drainage plane, and we'll, I know we'll talk about drainage planes here in a little bit, the drainage plane cannot perform the way it's intended. Um, most products, if installed in a way that the manufacturer has said to install them and use them in a manner that the manufacturer says is appropriate, they will work just fine. It'll work, yeah. Yep, I would agree with that. We, um, you know, that's how we talk about this little self-promotion here for a moment, but we talk about um, with our specialist network who, who helps uh, builders, contractors, so forth on the job site, you know, a big part of their job is looking at observing installations and recommending training, upgrades, fixing problems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we think that's a critical part of our value proposition because it is such a big part of making the wall work or the, the building envelope work. With respect to the, so uh, Texas is, uh, what is the IRC code that Texas is operating against? Is, is Texas a, well, I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask a couple questions. So what, what IRC are they on? And what, um, I always thought Texas was like a local rule, like the local jurisdictions um, would would choose which uh, code to operate against versus a state statewide code. Uh, you would be correct, Alan. So what? the Texas, so the jurisdiction, so the local municipalities would adopt um, whichever version of the building codes, the IRCI. BC. BC. Yep. Um, if the um, if the municipality specifically doesn't have an adopted code, then it defaults to the code adopted by the county seat. So, for example, in Harris County, which is where Houston is, Houston is the county seat. So, whatever city of Houston has adopted is applicable for the entire county. If the county seat doesn't have a code, then it would default to the state of Texas, which right now I think state of Texas is 2012 or 2015. So, um, you know, in any given location in and around, even within say a large city like Houston that has smaller cities that are, are encompassed by Houston, um, you know, you may be working off of four or five different versions of the code within a, uh, you know, 50, 80 mile radius. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Confusion. The um, reason I asked when, as I was preparing for this discussion, I did some research and it, one of the websites I found gave a code for Texas. And I went, oh, that's strange. I thought it was a, so, okay. So it starts at the local level, then it defaults up to the next level of government, if you will, and, until it gets to the state, if it needs it. Right, and that's not necessarily the case for things like energy code and, and electrical code, but certainly it is the case for building code. Oh, okay, yeah, good point, good point. So with respect to, so there are jurisdictions in Texas then that are working against the, have adopted the 2021 IRC? Yes, there, there are. are some that have adopted the 2021 IRC. Okay, yeah. And so in that um, code, uh, what I want to talk about, there are some, you know, key changes and challenges to um, weather barriers when used in conjunction with wood-based sheathing. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then uh, with stucco. So 
I'm not sure where to start this other than it's there's there's a lot of details and nuances. I, I will say I think the podcast is a perfect place to discuss this because you have some time and we can talk through it versus, you know, a document where you can read it. That's great. But as I as, as we'll talk about, there's just seems to be some challenges with this um, and, and nuances that can have pretty severe implications in. So let's talk about. So the code is WRB stucco and over wood based sheathing. If um, does Texas build with all? Well, I guess, and I'm saying Texas, but for builders, um, if you're not building with wood based sheathing, you're either doing like an, well, you're either doing an open stud with maybe some sheathing in the corners for shear, right? Does that does the code apply in that case to that part of the wall? Like, how does that work? I would say that the majority of the construction that we see in the residential market is going to be wood framed with a wood based sheathing. Um, and even in like commercial, like um, low rise hotel motel. And so the IRC is going to require some sort of designated drainage space behind stucco on a a structure with wood-based sheathing or, and to answer your question about open stud framing, I haven't seen stucco over open stud framing in a lot of years. As a matter of fact, the only time I've ever seen it over open stud framing is when we were deconstructing maybe a 1920s, 30s, 40s house. Hmm. Okay. Um, if I had to uh, render an opinion, I would say that we would want a designated drainage space, even over wood open. When it's open, open yeah. Framing. Yeah. Does the code apply? So there's other products out there. Um, are there other, trying not to say brand names, but are there other, if it's not wood-based sheathing, does the code, does this particular part of the code, this 2021 uh, and by the way, we're talking about section 703.7.3, water resistive barriers. Does it apply to when wood-based sheathing is not used, some other sheathing is used? So the designated drainage space um, does not apply, in my interpretation, does not apply over any other sort of sheathing other than wood-based sheathing. So if we're talking about, for example, in a commercial construction setting where we would be going over maybe a gypsum, a gyp yeah. board, that um, then it's not requiring us to, to have a designated drainage space. But I haven't seen too many residential structures with anything other than a wood-based sheathing. Now, there are some wood-based sheathings that have built-in uh, WRB barrier. Yeah. Right? And we can right. talk about those um, in a minute, but um, the designated drainage space, the rule is if it's got wood, then it needs to have designated drainage space. Yeah. So I guess we've kind of talked around it a little bit, but do you, do you want to take a stab at trying to explain the uh, requirements in the, uh, in the code here? Absolutely. All right. So, well, you said in the 2021 code and what we are talking about is the provision R703.7.3, and this is water resistive barriers for stucco. The big change for stucco in, in all municipalities or all jurisdictions that have adopted this code is this requirement for a designated drainage space when we've got the wood-based sheeting. So it splits it up right? It splits it up 
we have um, basically one set of requirements for a dry climate. Um, and we have another set of requirements that are in addition for moist and marine climates. And um, the, the IRC gives us a map of what is considered dry versus moist versus marine. I think it's, um, it's figure in 1101.7 out of the IRC. Yeah, and, that, and that's the deal with the Department of Energy kind of climate zone map, which we're all used to zones one through, I guess, seven in the U.S. But right. then there's an east-west thing that, have, you know, moist climates up through about, I don't know how to describe that, middle of Texas, uh, um, eastern, what is that, I guess uh, Colorado. It just kind of goes up through that part of the country over to coast, the, the west coast when you then get into some marine climates. Um, right. So there's that dry section, basically the west, right, the Rockies and kind of the west, west Texas and, and so forth. Right. So, you know, that said, looking at this map, right, the, re the majority of the U.S. Um, would require this designated drainage space behind stucco over wood-based sheathing, unless you're in some place like New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado. And then the drainage space, so, um, but then it, it further breaks it down, right? So if, you, if you're in a, so let's say we're in a moist climate, um, we're using stucco, wood-based sheathing. Depending on the WRB you use, you may or may not need the drainage space. Is that accurate? Well, in a moist marine climate, you're always going to have to have a designated drainage space or a designated drainage plane. So I think the easiest way to approach this is let's talk about what's required in the dry climate first, because that applies to to all the entire United States. Yeah, okay, great. So for, for dry climates, we have two ways to satisfy the code um, with weather barrier behind stucco. And the first one is just our, kind of our old UBC requirement, which is you need two layers of uh, 10 minute grade D felt paper. Um, and in 2012, the IRC, kind of added a caveat saying that each layer of that paper be installed independently of the other. So you have to install it in two passes and that all flashing installed in accordance with the code um, should, should be directed between the layers of paper. So in other words, our first layer of grade default paper um, is our drainage plane and then for all intents and purposes, our second layer of felt paper is this sacrificial intervening layer that separates the stucco from our drainage plane. So that's the first way to meet it. The second way to meet um, the requirements in a dry climate is to have a weather barrier equivalent to 60 minute grade D paper or have a water resistance equal to or greater than one layer of weather resistant barrier complying with ASTM E2556 type two. So if we're looking at this second option, that would be um, a synthetic, what we would call in my office, a synthetic sheet weather barrier, something like a Tyvek or similar product. Um, and then we would 
still have to put a second intervening layer that could be a layer of even 10 minute grade D over that to separate the stucco from this um, 60 minute grade D or type two weather barrier. Yeah, okay. And the I'm sorry, the first one, so that first option you mentioned was 10 minute grade D or, or type one WRB. That's correct. All right. And the second option is one layer. <laughs> see, one layer one of sixty layer minute, sixty minute, or type two WRB. Yes, like a like a Tyvek was the example. Yeah, okay. And that's the dry. That's the dry. So easy peasy, right? Nice and easy for dry climates. So then, when we move to a marine climate or moist climate, like far west coast or Texas Gulf Coast, then we have to have this um, designated drainage space. And that provision is R703.7.3.2. <laughs> and it says, in addition to complying with the dry climate, we have to do one of two things. So we have two options here under under moist climate. Number one is, in addition to complying with the uh, two layers of grade D paper, we can either use a drainage mat or we can use a medium that provides us with a drainage efficiency of not less than 90%. So if we have, for example, a uh, synthetic paper type product that um, has wrinkles in it, for example, that could be our um, compliance with provision two of the moist climate. Our other option is, is that we use that 60 minute grade D or equivalent, which in many cases, if tested according to the ASTM E2273 um, or Annex 2 of a ASTM 20, E2925, right? Then item number two of the dry climate and item number two of the moist climate are one and the same, essentially. Now we just have to put our intervening layer to, to keep our stucco from being in contact, direct contact with our drainage plant. Yeah, so, and, and so that you mentioned ASTM 2273. So for the folks listening, that is the, that's a test that tests the drainage efficiency. And you may have said this, I'm sorry, um, to 90, uh, it tests the drainage efficiency of that material. And um, so that has to be 90% or greater. So that code kind of, that, that test kind of came out of the Pacific Northwest, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and it's, it's now working its way into other places. You know, there are, there are drainage wraps with, you know, physical dots on them, if you will, that help get that 90%. Our, the DuPont um, crepe wraps, drain wraps, stucco wrap are, you know, 98, 99% efficient. Home wrap is just over 90% efficient. So it also meets that. So if you're using a 10 minute grade D or type one WRB in a moist climate, you need the drainage, you need, in addition to that, a, a draw, which are the dry requirements, you need a drainage space. 
if you're using the 60 minute grade D or type two WRB, you don't need the drain space, but you need something with 90%. That, that WRB has to be 90% efficient or greater. That's correct. Is that all? Is that correct? Yes. And so let's look at, you know, what does a drainage space look like over two layers of grade D paper for the dry climate, right? The code, the, the initial, the first provision says, well, what the one of the ways we can achieve that is using a 3 inch deep um, drainage material. So, you know, we all know those as drainage mats or rain screens or, you know, some sort of sheet material that's got a a lot of times a polypropylene mesh or, or some other spacer, if you will, to the depth of 3 sixteenths of an inch. Um, you know, I like that option. That option, however, has some drawbacks, especially for my customers that are volume home builders, mm -hmm. because they have they have duplicatable plans, right? They have the same, five, let's say, four or five elevations. Um, and they have to now figure out how they're going to account for an additional additional three sixths of an inch space in the assembly as it relates to the depth of their windows or the depth of their doors as they are set, right? Or how do they account for that that offset from the wall at a roof rake? Yeah. So that changes the detailing when you when you introduce something like a, a physical spacer like a drainage mat. So does the the um the in a moist climate, I'm gonna go back to the type two WRB 60 minute grade D, it specifies the WRB has to have a drainage efficiency of 90% or greater. That's not the intervening layer though, or the secondary sacrificial layer. Is that correct? Or am I confusing the layers? Yes, you are correct. So our options are this. We can use a type two weather barrier that has built-in spacers on it in some way, right? Or that has the drainage efficiency of 90% or greater. And then we would have to put a, um, we would have to put a spacer or sacrificial layer over the top of that. But let's just say for, for the sake of discussion, we put a layer of 10 minute grade D as our primary weather barrier on a structure. Say we're in California, because I know that that's something that they they do quite yeah. frequently, all right? Yeah. So let's pretend we've we put a grade D 10 minute paper on this house. We flashed all the windows and doors to that 10 minute, layer of grade D, theoretically, we could then come and put a crate wrap over the top of that. Now I've achieved drainage and I've achieved that 90% or greater efficiency. Um, the question then becomes, do we actually have to have a spacer between the backside of the stucco and the crepe wrap? And, and so I think I, all I've done is really kind of restated your question. Um, but it's, it's interesting because the way that the code is currently written, it, it says that this drainage space should occur on the exterior of the water resistive barrier. 
and in both um, option one and option two for wet climates. And so the question becomes is, is, is the code saying that all wraps are considered weather resistant barrier or did they say water resistant barrier and really mean drainage plant? In that sacrificial second layer, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Because I can tell you that some of the sheathings that qualify as one layer of grade D paper, that is a sheathing, an OSB type sheathing with a built-in, if you will, integral weather resistant barrier, that these manufacturers are interpreting that the that a drainage mat would go on the outside of what of the sacrificial layer. So we have a OSB that had that has integral WRB. It counts as one layer of 10-minute paper. I still have to put a second layer of 10-minute paper over the top of it. And the interpretation is, is that on top of that, if I was going to use a drainage mat, right, as required in a moist climate, that it would actually go on the outside of that, that second layer of weather barrier. So a lot of the evaluation service reports are coming out with this, with the drainage mat or our drainage um, space in a place where we're not, we're not flashing to, we're not introducing water. Um, I've heard the argument that, well, it's a capillary break between the exterior, um, but, you know, contrary to common belief, stucco is not absorbent like a sponge. As a matter of fact, properly bloated, densified stucco, I would say probably more resistant than um, brick veneer. So I don't see a lot of water that's just going to come through the in the field of a stucco wall panel. If so, one way to simple so you can take that out of the equation, the drain space. If folks use a type two, sixty minute or type two, the second option, in a moist, then they don't need the drainage space. Is that right? You're right. So, you know, there is a way to comply and not have to really change for a builder to not really have to change what they're doing at all. And that is just use a type two weather resistant barrier that has a 90% um, or greater efficiency for drainage, flash to it, and then uh, follow manufacturer's installation instructions, which is install a layer of grade D 10 minute paper as a intervening substantially non-water absorbing um, sacrificial layer and you're done. So, you know, when this code first came out, there was a lot of uproar, but, you know, as we kind of dive into it, it doesn't really um, mean much of a change, if any at all, for, for many, many, many builders. Yeah, right. I would agree with that. If, if though you're using, so let's talk about like a type one WRB. So we're back into the situation. If you're moist climate, you, you would need a drainage space. Type ones tend to be like perforated, lower performing water holdout kind of wraps, right? Perforated wraps, um, I believe are type ones. Um, Tyvex type two, some of the, pre, some of the higher performing tend to fall in the, the type two category because of the, the water holdout performance. So the so if you're using a type one perforated wrap, 
I'm going to call it a low end wrap, a lower performing wrap. You may need to reconsider your wall system. You may need to add a drainage base if you're going to build with stucco in, in a moist climate. Dry climate, you're probably not much of a change. I would say that that is accurate. Whether you're going to build with stucco or, for that matter, um, you know, a cement board siding, even. Mm, good point. Yeah. My my recommendation to my customers that are using cement board siding is I still would really, um, if they have it in the budget to put a designated drainage space or some sort of air gap between the backside of uh, their siding, I would recommend that as well. Also, yeah, you like to see that increased um, dryability, right? In the wall system, yeah, great. I guess one thing we didn't talk about, as I was, I was thinking here, was folks may not be aware of this this whole type one, type two on WRBs. Primarily, um, I believe that's a function of the water holdout test, and so you can you can um, you can be sold, you can meet the WRB requirements, but you can do it through a couple of pathways, if you will. And, and those are not necessarily the same. So type one uses a certain set of tests for water holdout, um, ASTM D779, a boat test or some water ponding tests. The type two WRBs use a different test, which is um, uh, 55 centimeters of water for five hours. Um, so there's very, there's, that's how you get to be different type one, type two, there might be some other requirements too, but the water holdout is the big one. And so as we've been talking here, we've, we've thrown around type one, type two, I just wanted to explain that to folks. So yeah, they're WRBs, but they're chocolate and vanilla, if you will, right? They're, they're a little different flavor. And that's what the code is referencing here, these type one and type twos. Exactly. Great. Yeah. Now, how about, let me ask one more scenario. Um, how about exterior? Continuous insulation, so a subject near and dear to our heart here on the podcast. Um, so in a moist climate, you're going to build with um, exterior CI. You have, let's say, your weather barriers underneath it. And let's say you got the 90%, let's say it's type 2, 90% efficiency. But now you go to put put a product like Styrofoam, an XPS, an EPS, any, any product over that. What, um, what does the code say about that? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that because if we're talking about stucco specifically, right, some of those XPS and the EPS products are not tested currently to the to the ASTMs that would um, determine whether or not they were type one or type two. So let's just assume for a second I have wood-based sheathing. If I'm using, if I'm using a type two weather barrier, I could realistically put the XPS or the EPS right over that type two weather barrier. And um, that would serve as my intervening layer. Okay, right. So I, because I, I'm looking here at dry climate, right? And the dry climate um, provision, I just, I'm gonna read it because it's easier. The water resistive barrier shall be 60 minute grade D paper or have a water resistance equal to, right, type two. The water resistive barrier shall be separated from stucco by a layer of foam plastic insulating sheathing or other non water absorbing layer or des design drainage space. So technically, we could do a creped wrap or a wrap with some sort of spacer on it, flash to that, put CI right over it. 
yeah. um, and then stucco. And then you're right. And then you're good. Yes. But that's if, right. Now, if you're going to use, so just to complicate it further, if you're going to use the foam as your WRB, you're going to tape seams. Some folks do that. Then you need to know whether that foam is a type one or type two to know which side of the requirement you're falling into. That's right. Yeah. So I currently have a client that is using um, CI, but they're using CI over an OSB. And um, essentially what, what we have determined that they're going to do is they're going to use the CI and then they're going to use a 90% efficiency weather barrier over the top of that. They're going to flash everything to that sheet weather resistant barrier. And then they're going to just do a layer of 10 minute grade B paper over the top of it. So they're adding the CI to the assembly, but now that CI is not part of the designated drainage space or even a weather barrier for that matter. So they are, they meet energy code, um, but they also really don't change their stucco assembly much. And yeah. there's other barrier assembly. Right. Yeah. That's one of the subtleties I was kind of referring to in the beginning. If the code is kind of written as if the WRB, well, it's written for the WRB behind any foam or insulating layer. But if you reverse it, and we like to see that, we like to see the WRB outboard of the foam because it is easier to flash and, and do those things and penetrations later in the process. But the code really doesn't address it. I guess it addresses it by you need a second, you need that second layer if you're using a type two with the drainage efficiency. Right. Of 90% or greater. Yeah. Okay. So covered a lot of ground. Um, I, one final plug here, folks, obviously they can, they can do their Google searches. They can reach out to folks like Rhonda Lynn uh, for information. DuPont has a document. We have a document, a white paper on this subject, if you will, titled 2021 IRC drainage requirements simplified with DuPont Tyvek WRBs. So search on that title and you'll find that PDF document come up. It explains, has the language in there and walks through some scenarios and has some assembly drawings in there, which may help you on your journey as you work to figure out what your assembly is gonna look like depending on where you're building. Um, yeah, anything else, um, Rhonda Lynn, that we haven't talked about in this code? I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground. We've been very specific on this section. Again, IRC section 703.7.3, water resistive barriers. Anything we missed uh, in the discussion? I don't think so. I think, you know, again, I just want to go back to so long as a weather resistant barrier is installed in accordance with manufacturer's installation instructions and used as intended, um, you know, it can and will work. And I think that it is, it's up to the trades that, that install it and the trades that cover it to ensure that the integrity of the weather barrier is maintained. And, you know, the code clearly tells us that if, if the weather resistant barrier is breached in some way, by code, it's required, the integrity of that weather barrier is required to be um, repaired. Yeah, good point, good point. So um, I think, uh, Rhonda Lynn, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and imparting us with your knowledge. And um, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you for having me. This podcast is brought to you by DuPont Performance Building Solutions, who provides the marketplace with a full suite of weatherization, thermal, and air sealing solutions, such as DuPont Tyvek wraps, flashings, and tapes, 
DuPont Styrofoam brand XPS Rigid Foam Board, and Great Stuff and Froth Pack Spray Foams. DuPont knows the homes you build today will need to stand the test of time, expanding, contracting, breathing, and protecting for generations to come. Be sure to check back often for new episodes. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Alan Hubble, and residentially speaking, that's a wrap.